0: You're listening to an encore presentation of Manson Mitchell from January 14th, 2023. I've suffered the tortures of the damned sir, tortures of the damned. It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend
1: with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell, a double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. Happy weekend to you, wherever you may be. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Manson and Mitchell in your ears for the hour. And what a special guest we have today, one of our returning veterans. She always has amazing insights to offer, this time from a decidedly different angle. And we'll find out about that very shortly. But first... Let's say hello. And I'm surprised not to see him in full Seahawks regalia. Maybe he's just kind of keeping it on the down low today. Of course, I'm talking about tall guy Nathan, also known as Nathan Detroit. Good
0: morning, Gary and Suzanne. Yes, you're right. (laughs) Probably should be uh, maybe Detroit Lion because, you know, uh, not wearing any Seahawks gear and that's. Kind of a surprise, but really, I haven't been following the Seahawks much this season. Not because of you know the whole thing about them having a, a change of quarterback and thinking they're probably not going to be contenders. It's just I didn't really have much time this year to uh, get into football and watch games. Uh, Sundays are busy to me, so they're hard to watch football. A, a busy sim-
2: busy shooting pool, no doubt. Oh, yes.
1: <laughs> championship caliber. I didn't know you were such a, a pool shark there that we found that out about you just the, in the past year, Nathan.
0: Yeah, joining up two leagues now and uh, so far going so pretty good. Amazing. That's, that's good. Cool. That, that's it. I never, you know, uh, they brought me in because they needed
1: somebody else <laughs> standing there with a the pool cue going, what do I do with this? Don't answer. Hey, me.
0: those players <laughs> are important. No. Those- they need those kind of players on teams, especially if they have skill level caps. <laughs> the other teams needed it if they lack beer money. Then it was allowed <laughs> in the
1: game because everybody would be drinking. Well, here we are, and we're talking about a day in which we can greet the, the new year. This is our second live show. You and I were on the road, mm-hmm. and here we are. Home uh, again. Yeah, so last Saturday's show was live. It happened to be conducted from a hotel room in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and um, that was an interesting experience but here we are in the friendly confines and what a guest now that we're back on home turf we're going to be talking to kelly sullivan walden who has a book coming out you can measure it in hours now before the book goes on sale you can pre-order it now and you'll hear more about that in a bit but let's get started with kelly sullivan walden the name of her book is a crisis is a terrible thing to waste the art of transforming the tragic into magic.
2: Kelly Sullivan Walden is an international best-selling author of 9 books, 4 oracle decks, 2 journals and 2 apps. The Hero's Journey, Dream Oracle, and Luminous Humanist Meditations. She's an award-winning dream expert and an interfaith minister with a doctor of ministry degree. Additionally, she's a certified clinical hypnotherapist, practitioner of religious science, inspirational speaker, and workshop facilitator. Kelly is known as Dr. Dream, and we have a shelf full of Dr. Mm -hmm. Dr. Dream books. This book is quite a bit different. Her website is kellysullivanwalden.com, which we'll be sure to give out again at the bottom of the hour. In the meantime, Kelly, I want to tell you that you are one of our most favored guests. And in doing all the analytics last night, you were in the top five people to appear on our show over the last 16 years. Wow. Welcome to number 26 today. Wow. Oh
3: my God. Okay. I don't want to die anytime soon, but if I do, and when I do, it will be with a smile on my face because I'm in the top five with Gary Vance and Suzanne Mitchell. That's
2: right. That's right. Don't you forget it. I will not.
3: I will not. I got to put that on my resume.
2: We, we hope this is not a crisis. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, this is like a, the reward for having survived my crises. <laughs> this is like the good stuff, the bright light at the end of the tunnel, not this the train. Is,
2: yeah, this is so different yes. from what you've done before. So, so, so different from what you've done before. What made you decide to go from all the dreamy, dreamy, dream stuff to do something that is radically different? Thank you for asking. Um it's this is definitely
3: a bit of a you're catching me right in transition mode. So I'll just I'll just say first of all I was I I had this friend of mine Aspen Mattis come to visit me um under the auspices of us doing a a program together that was a benefit program for kids and the United Nations and and in the course of talking to her, I read her memoir, A Girl in the Woods, and I was so blown away by her book and her candor. I thought, how can a person be that honest and still live in this world and not be struck by lightning, not be dead? And she said, she was talking about the freedom that she felt on the other side of having just confessed everything and not just in a, to a priest. In a confessional, but kind of in this out loud way, she said it was the biggest gift that she gave herself ultimately. And yes, it was a process, like multiple exorcisms <laughs> to get there. But I thought, wow, I, I'm proud of all the books I've written and they've all been written to the best of my ability from mostly from the place of all the wisdom I could conjure, all the, all the access I could conjure. And yet I know like many people do. i've suffered the imposter syndrome the if they only knew like with every good thing that's happened to me all the people that have loved me all the people that have said nice things there's been this little wicked witch of the west kind of hanging out in the back of my head saying but if they only knew and um in the process of getting to know aspen she said I'll like, tell me your stories. I'll, I'll listen to them. I'll, and I was like, what? She said, just write them down, send them to me every week. So literally for three years, every week, I would send her one shameful story, one of my shame stories. And in the process of doing that and having somebody listen with such a creativity, she's like, oh my God, this is good, Kelly. This is good material. I think people need to know how you came to the The wisdom, like it didn't just appear out of nowhere, like the 10 commandments just plopped in your lap. You earned this. You climbed through the mud. You, this is, these are stories worth telling. And I thought they were just for Aspen's ears, but eventually I started to really kind of like them myself. And I noticed the shame in me started to diminish. With each story I told. And pretty soon I started to actually like these stories and wanted, and I started to share them with a little bit of a broader audience, starting with my husband, who already knew all the stories, but not in the detail. And he was like, Yeah, these are, these are, this is different and I like it. Tell me more. And I eventually started, I shared it with my agent at some point. She's, and the next day she got me a book deal. She's like, Beyond Words wants to do this book. I thought, Wait, wait, wait. Oh my God. (laughs) like that's about 20,000 rings of Saturn further out than where I had been but but little by little I feel like I'm becoming more I falling falling a little bit more in love with my shadows um one of my best friend Joey is writing a book called fall in love with your shadows and I said I'm your poster child because little by little that's what I'm doing and here that brings me to you so let's see how it goes I don't know this time next year you might I might be like ah i'll never do that again but right now i'm feeling more self-love and more integration than i've ever felt in my life so that brings me to you
2: a a book so honest for me was riveting and i couldn't put it down Mm. we were scheduled to leave town we were packing we were making calls making arrangements doing things buttoning down the house and i couldn't put the book down i just found the stories so fascinating and i kept asking myself as i was reading could i do this could i do this and the answer for the most part was no i mean that is really hard to be so revealing and so naked about all the things in our lives and and every person every person on the planet has good things and bad things. It's all a mix. You have, Even our trip to Chicago was a mix. It mm. were good things and bad things. It mm. was a big soup of things that were going on. And that's what our lives are really like. But we want to present our best face. We want to put yeah. our best foot forward and say, here's the way I succeeded. Here's the way I did good. Here's the way I helped another person. We don't want to say, oh, when I was crappy, I did this, or I said that, or I got back at this person really well because I did this thing to them. You know, we never want to go to our dark sides and and acknowledge that they exist. Not only did you acknowledge their existence, but I can really see how freeing it is that you have no secrets to hide. It's all out there. (laughs)
3: Yeah, it's 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 an interesting laboratory experiment I'm in the middle of right now because I just like all of us, we are social creatures. Yes. And it's it's an unconscious agreement that in order to be loved and liked and allowed to stay on the planet, we have to check certain boxes and be a certain way. And by definition that means cutting off a big part of ourselves and and presenting only our instagram best our most glossy filtered most magnificent self and that there there's nothing wrong with that but i think about maslow's hierarchy the the pyramid and at the very base of the pyramid it's it's about our survival issues it's about s- safety and security and in order to maintain safety and security then we we must present the looking good self but as we as we stair step up this pyramid we get towards contribution And even self actualization, and I think in order to do that, there's got to be some measure of self love. That doesn't mean we have to write our own tell all book on ourselves. There's more. I mean, as long as we tell one person, one, and it can be a priest, it could be a therapist, it could be a best friend, a spouse. As long as one person on the planet knows some of those darker things, then I think we. As in twelve steps, they say you're as sick as your secrets. It's not really a secret as long as one person knows. But I feel like in my world, I it just it just came to me that I needed to take it up a a step further because people like you, Gary and Suzanne, you've known me as Doctor Dream for many years, and honestly, if I was to be like super super naked and honest, there's a part of me that was afraid of putting this book out for fear of of your judgment and you're saying Kelly we've had a good run bye See ya. like bye <laughs> like what the hell who is that so it's it's actually a big deal that you even invited me back on and that I'm sitting here with you right now and I'm going to try I'm not going to cry my eyes out but but it is it's like kind of like the scene in the movie Sybil where all her characters kind of come together I feel like I'm in the middle of this embrace of all these radical characters. Here I am. So
1: hello. <laughs> this I didn't even think that I would be bringing up this point, but now it seems so illustrative. What you are saying, it's illuminating, Kelly. I have heard... More than one medium, and you know we have our fair share of mediums on this program because we see value in evidential mediumship. Yes. And what I have heard more than one medium uh, or more than one metaphysical writer say is that when we make our transition and we cross over to the other side of life, The value of your book in advance gives you a great soul advantage, Kelly, because what I have heard is that once you're on the other side, we have laid down these bodies, we retain our consciousness and miraculously our sense of identity. When we're over there, you can fool no one (laughs) that who you are, what you've been about, your own path through however many lifetimes, the essence of you cannot be hidden.
3: Yeah, mm, that's so true. I remember in one of Neil, I think it was the the last of the series of Neil Donald Walsh, Walsh's books, The Conversation with God series. He was talking about that well, God was talking through him, saying that we should live our lives in such a way that everything we did, in fact, even every thought we thought would be on the cover of People magazine. And I was like, no, (laughs) no, no, no. Okay. I've got a long way to go (laughs) before I get there. But yeah, in some way there is uh, Danian Brinkley, who is one of the, he endorsed um, the book. He, he plays a really important role in one of my stories, the story about my near death experience. And, and he talks about the holographic life review when we get to the other side and how, yeah, it, it, Means that our passage to the other side, everything is forgivable ultimately, but we're the ones who are the most, we're the harshest critic. We are, we are the biggest judge. And if we can get to a place where we can at least love that part of ourselves, we don't have to go and tell it to everybody. We don't have to announce it on billboards, but at least figuring out how to love it how to accept it because we wouldn't be here were it not for those steps and missteps And if we can love ourselves then we'll have a much easier passage on the other side as as gary was just saying
2: people who have been the most successful in life claim they've also had the most failures because Mm. in order to keep being successful there are a lot of missteps along the way For someone who will never take a chance, they will never fail. Yeah, And so taking chances involves a lot of failure on your way to success. Before we go to our break, which is in about 10 minutes, I do want to have you tell one story, you know, at least one to give people kind of a sense of what the book is about. And that is, it is a series. And I don't, I don't know how many there are. I didn't the count third. Up. I
3: think there's thirty-four.
2: Thirty. Stories in the book? There's there's thirty plus 30, a, right, a forward and a preface and a conclusion yes. and an afterward and all kinds of things. There are yeah. thirty individual yeah. stories, each one of which is is uh, excellent. And along with that, you have a process for reframing what it is that happened, which helps you in your soul's growth and can help people who are reading the book with their own soul's growth, a four-step process that you use. So uh, I want you to say a little bit about that. But then I chose a story out of of the 30 that I, I thought we would tell before the break. Mm. And it's on page 49 called Burning Bougainvillea. I live in Florida where it's full of bougainvilleas. And I know how gorgeous they can be. Yeah. And that story is so layered. I know that we can't get to every part of it. But if you could just hit a few of the highlights, I'd like to talk about that before the break. Sure.
3: Oh, gosh. Okay. The story starts where, I mean, I was... I was I had come out of a really dark time in my life, the the one my one year of being a stripper, and I had been on this I was in twelve step programs. I was working really hard on my spiritual path, making amends, doing all the good things. And yet there was still this element of like I thought if I did all the good things, then then life will be kind to me. Life will be good to me. And yet, there's this day that I'm jogging through the park by my house and there's cat calls coming from a car driving by and these guys that just are relentless and, and it, it progresses, it accelerates and, pr- and I start running really fast and they start kind of accelerating their car chasing after me and they even try to drive into the park, but luckily they were driving a low rider so they couldn't get in the park. But then I noticed that they screeched around to drive around to the opposite end of the park. And there was some part of me that as I was jogging and all the adrenaline was flying and firing, I hit this place where I was finally kind of ducked into a corner of the park where I felt sort of safe that they couldn't see me. And there was some part of me that was just so angry at God. I, and I, there was this tantrum I was having basically saying, God, I am doing everything I can. And yet still this happens there. This world is unsafe for women. I don't want to be here. I need some kind of a message. I need something. You better send it to me right now or I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be long for this planet. Like that's my ultimatum to you, God. Prove yourself to me. And I turn around and there is this flaming burning bougainvillea and it was a regular bougainvillea but i had never in my life seen colors like this it was it was it was the purplish pinkish fuchsia color and it literally startled me it wasn't ordinary and i had been in this park so many times it was my routine to jog through this park but i'd never been in this particular section and i had never seen such a thing. And it took my breath away. And I felt, even though I was still relatively possibly in danger, I felt like all my fear went away. And in the presence of this beauty, I was immersed and I felt the presence of grace. Something came over me that instantly put me in this this place of awe and like, oh my God, there's something happening here. God is answering my prayer. So I stared at that bush for what seemed like a long time. And I I literally didn't even hear the low riders. That that was gone. And I felt myself being recalibrated. And as the sun started to go down, I knew I needed to get home because it really wouldn't be safe to be in the park at dark. And I found myself not wanting to go, being torn. So I just ripped off a piece of the bush to take with me as a souvenir. Didn't think anything of it. Just like, okay, I'm gonna go home now. And as I started to jog home, I stopped in my tracks and this voice came to me loud, as loud as anything. And it said, you're just like them. And what proceeded to come through was, you were feeling empty and you saw something that felt beautiful, that felt inspiring, felt like something good to you, and you didn't ask permission, and you took a piece of it for yourself, just like they were trying to do to you. They were feeling empty. They saw something which happened to be you that gave them some kind of inspiration, and they wanted to grab a piece of you. You are the same and instead strangely instead of feeling and i know we got to go to the break so cut me off no no no
2: Mm-mm, instead
3: of feeling devastated by being the same as these people that i thought ooh yuck gross awful i felt liberated because there's something that, that that recalibrated it's like when i other someone it's then i'm scared but when I see us as a hologram, that there is no evil out there, the evil is in me to to turn around and to live, to 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 transform and love. All of a sudden, I'm empowered. So literally, there was just this osmosis, this wild sort of exorcism in a really good way that was happening to me, and I and I will knock on wood. But ever since then, I have not had one of those situations where I have felt scared or threatened. So as the story goes, years later, I find myself taking a wrong turn. This is before GPS. I find myself in a bad neighborhood in the worst part of downtown LA. And my and my car breaks down, steam is coming out from underneath the hood. And I'm stuck in this corner of a gas station with gangbangers walking toward me. And I'm all alone. I am a sitting duck. And the strangest thing happened to me. I, as, as they approached, I reached out to them and said, thank God you're here. I, I needed some angels and angels appeared. Do you guys know how to fix a car? And immediately their faces transformed from being menacing to being helpful. And they literally got under the hood, got the hose, did all this stuff. And they be, and I, and I asked what their names were. One was Mike Miguel and one was Angel. And I'm like, literally angels. One is an angel. One is like Archangel Michael. And they were like, yeah, we're angels. And then as they. As my car got repaired and they sent me on their way, they said, you really shouldn't be driving in an area like this. This is not safe for a woman. So be careful. And I said, I grew up with sisters. I never had brothers. I always wished I had them. Right now, you guys are my brothers. Thank you so much. I hugged them and they hugged me back and sent me on my way. And I thought if I hadn't had that burning via experience and I was still projecting other onto them instead of brother, onto them they might have hurt me they might have killed me i have no idea but i don't think their intentions initially were to help me when they first were coming down the road so there was something in that trend that change of thought that in my experience has been the change of everything and so that's that's my Bergen, burning burning V. and every time I see him and I see him all the time people are always giving me little sprigs I'm like did you ask permission first before you took that <laughs>
2: <laughs> But yeah that's that's one Kelly, of my favorite stories I got that story just down to my bones when I read it and and that was that your own thinking was yeah. so transformed yeah. that it wasn't transformed in the moment it was Mm -mm. transformed for all time Mm -hmm. and so this is like sharing part of your soul's growth that that you had the initial experience and then years later because that lesson had been gotten Mm -hmm. you were able to be a completely different person
3: yeah. And this is a, it's a dicey conversation because I know there's a lot of women that have been victimized, that have been harmed. And I don't want to simple, overly simplify no, this issue. And I don't want to undermine and I don't want to pour pink paint over a difficult, no. complicated issue. But I do want to highlight the fact that at least in my experience, and I have the authority to tell about my experience, I was victimized, victimized, victimized. And then it stopped. On a dime, and the only thing I can attribute that change to, I looked the same. Nothing physically was different, but I stopped seeing people through the eyes of "they're going to hurt me, they want something from me." I started seeing people as angels in disguise, and it is done unto you as you believe. And I, and that, and I started to the angel in people, even people that didn't know they wanted to be an angel, started to show up as angels in my life, and that has not stopped. So there, we, we play some part in the equation, if not all of it. And so I, you know, I hope people don't think I'm being callous about this, but I do want us to at least recognize that we play, even if it's a tiny drop, let's at least play that part. Let's at least work on that. And then we're not completely powerless.
1: Mm. As we go to break, you know, Kelly and Suzanne, I'd like to pick up on this after we do the marketing piece, because many, many, I'm talking about circa 1980, I had a conversation at a dance club with a, a nice young lady who was just friendly with me. We weren't dating or anything like that, but we'd see each other there and we would just chat each other up a little bit. And she said something to me that shocked me. It was a revelation of the sort that one would hope not to hear. And yet she spoke with conviction. And it has to do with what happened to you. There's a theme there. And I'd like to explore Mm. that a little bit when we come back, if that's okay.
3: Oh, God, I'd love it. Please,
1: please, please. The book, our honored guest of the hour, Kelly Sullivan Walden. And you'll be hearing from her again, hopefully more than once again in 2023. We're just at the start of the year (laughs) and she has so much to say, so much to offer. We always love having Kelly with us. Her latest book is coming out like right now. It's called A Crisis is a Terrible Thing to Waste. The Art of Transforming the Tragic into Magic. We'll get more into this wonderful book, this very illuminating book
0: on the other side of the break. We are Manson Mitchell. Stick with us. We will be right back. You're listening to an Encore presentation of Manson Mitchell from January 14th, 2023.
1: Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days. And I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures, detailed in each magazine. With all your itinerary, we could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please, get a copy of American Road and start your own
0: adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash manceandmitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame. most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is mansonmitchell.com, heard right here on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com.
1: On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed first-time guest Patricia Scott to talk about soul contracts and medical hypnotherapy stories of breaking bad habits, pain relief, and healing.
2: On Saturday, we celebrate April Fool's Day with songs of and for fools. Bring your dancing shoes and enjoy some of our favorite fool's music. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150.
1: Real people, real life, real radio. Alternative Talk, 1150.
2: Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our very special guest this hour, Kelly Sullivan Walden. Because we're all letting it hang out. We are just (laughs) all letting it hang out. (laughs) Ellie, of course he's yeah. saying that
0: as she's taking a big sip from her cup. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, my God. Perfect. Oh, let it this all is not hang not your first book. You have books. You are Dr. Dream. You have things going on. Please let our listeners know, as if there would be anybody left in the Manson Mitchell world who wouldn't know who you are because you've been on more than two dozen times now. But <laughs> please go over what it is that people can get if they go to your website and what that is.
3: Sure. So for if they go to kellysullivanwalden.com, forward slash tragic2magic. That's the number two. Try to make it an easy place to go. com forward slash tragic2magic. That's the page that's all about the book launch. If people buy the book, if they pre-order the book, then there's about $500 worth of of bonus gifts that they receive if they put their order information in on that page. Also, the big thing is if people buy five books, they put their, their names get put into the drawing for a luxury retreat in Costa Rica that I'll be leading in June. It's a $3,000 value over $3,000, really $3,200 value. Um, airfare doesn't, isn't included, but so five books and this is all pre-order. The actual launch day is on the 17th on Tuesday. And on Facebook Live, I'm going to be from 3pm to 6pm Pacific time, I'll be hosting a, a, a launch party event with a bunch of people that have tragic to magic tips. So by the end of the by the end of the event, people will have such a bag full of tricks to be able to get through any difficulty life throws at you that we'll be able to rock and party and let it all hang out like never before.
2: That is great. Kellysullivanwalden.com. I just, I want to just say that there's a really good reason why people should get your book. And Gary and I interview so many authors and there are so many really great books out there. And, you know, we have, we have touted books now, as uh, great for educating yourself and growing your soul i want to say if you get this book a crisis is a terrible thing to waste what may happen is you will see yourself in some of these stories and you will be able to realize about your own soul about how you yourself can grow by someone else telling the truth. It will empower you to tell the truth. I've had this experience as I've read this book where I am now telling the truth about certain things that, you know, are a little unpleasant and, and you you get it out there and it's so freeing. And the book also gives you an actual four-step formula for how to do that so that it's not, it's story after story, but it's also what are the steps that you take to get to the other side, to reframe the experiences of your life so that you can put that baggage down mm-hmm. and go forward a lot more lightened up. And so I really want to say this is best book, absolutely best book.
3: Oh my God. God thank you so much you thank you welcome. thank you so much for that and this is and your what you just said about being inspired to be more truthful maybe in ways that are a little difficult or a little uncomfortable to me that is the biggest compliment that's because i think that the truth sets us free and we are as sick as our secrets and the more authentic we can be i mean all we want as humans all we want is closeness and, and true connection. And we can't get it if we're just a bunch of Barbie dolls and Ken dolls walking around and it, trying to say and do all the perfect things. There's no intimacy there. There's no depth of connection. It's, and it's my, my prayer is that people will have deeper conversations and that they won't feel, that the shame quotient will be drastically reduced. I don't know if we'll ever get rid of it. I would like to think that we could I, but I got an email from this young girl in Africa who was sent, um, somebody in her community got an, an advanced reader's copy. And she said the book is making her, and she's going through some really hard things in Kenya right now. I mean, like un, th- things that we can't even fathom in our Western World consciousness. And she said, she is ogling. She is learning how to be an ogler. That's the process. I call it ogle. She's like, I am me and, and, and this group of women that she works with. We're all practicing ogling everything that happens so that we can get to the gold on the other side so much more quickly. And if there was ever going to be an, if there's going to be a part two of this book, I'd say it's about being able to transform that tragic into magic while it's happening. Mm. Not having to wait for years later, but like
1: wouldn't that right. be amazing
2: that's right. my that's my prayer you wanted Gary. to pick, pick- up the threads from before the break Gary well, oh thank yeah. you please,
1: please as I say, circa nineteen eighty I mm. was in a dance club where I lived where I grew up in Southern California, and I got talking with this uh, lady there that I would chit chat with now and again when we met up at the club. And I don't even know what triggered this particular conversation. But you talk about a wake-up call. I was shaken out of my comfortable ignorance. She told me that she had a very close run-in with a man who decided that um, he was going to get what he wanted from her. And he undertook a sexual assault. He did Mm. not succeed, thank God. Mm. She Mm. got away. And I said, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Oh, you know, I hate when these things happen. I'm ashamed of my gender. This is really terrible. And she said, people don't know how common it is. And she had researched it a bit, as you might expect. Now, again, we're talking about like 1980 there. And she said, one in three women will have had an experience whether the rape actually succeeds in its evil work. Or if it's a near escape, it could be a a man exposes himself to you. It could be something incestuous, the whole ugly gamut. Yeah. And one in three women will have this happen during their lifetime. And we were both in our 20s at the time. So, I Mm. mean, you know, this is on the early side of life. I'm hearing about this there. And my jaw must have dropped. And I said, so, in other words, what you're telling me is that we've got a club full of people here. That if you take... Uh, you know, at random, they're looking at it statistically. If you have three women, one of them has had an experience as bad or even worse than what you experienced. Mm-hmm. And she said, Yes. But the thing is, not every woman is willing to talk about it.
3: No, no. Thus,
1: all these years later, your yeah. liberating book, which is mm-hmm. a revelation and a wake up call for some of us who, frankly, in my case, went through life. For too many years, thinking all is sunshine and roses, and people at heart are only good, and finding out that that isn't all—that isn't always the case—and that that ratio of one out of three, I say this with great regret. I think by today, with the understanding we've reached, it's probably more common than that. I
3: know, I know. I want to say that it, it, in some way, it's almost every woman to some degree. Has, has been through this and probably more than, more than once. Um, one of the other stories that in the book, it's called I Scalped Him, um, was where I was, I was at a high school party and I was being, and I, I had been snarky to a guy that, that sort of liked me in kind of a mean, mean sort of a way. And before I knew it, he and a bunch of guys were carrying me off without my consent into the kind of the forest area and before you know and i i reached out somehow and i got a a clump of a guy's hair and without realizing it once they finally let me go because i wouldn't let go of his hair i later i ran to a bathroom and and realized i never let go of his hair i had the clump of hair in his hand like i ripped i ripped his hair out of his head big clump. And I never told a soul that that happened until a few years ago, I was with g- girlfriends of mine that were even some of them were even at that party. And, and I read them the story and they were like, we, and I thought they had known, I don't know, I never shared it, never shared it because it would there. Immediately, there's this thought of it's, I must have done something. It was my fault. You know, and there's just, it's just cloaked in shame. So getting it out somehow takes the boogeyman out of, out of the inside where it's like the boogeyman can't do anything when he's put in a spotlight. So the, it's like all the, that shadow pain stops. And, and strangely on the other side of it, there's a little part of me that didn't even know that I feel kind of like a badass, that I survived that and that I, was that strong that I pulled this hair out of this, that I got out? <laughs> That's kind of cool. So I there's a little bit of each one of these stories actually has this. It's almost like a little medal of honor. <laughs> it's strangely like having survived it and having taken from it a piece of wisdom. It's like being a war veteran in some way of my own life, <laughs> the war that was my life. I survived. So I'm sorry about this friend of yours, but I'm glad she illuminated that to young gary and i imagine that added an additional layer of compassion and and nobility to the
1: already good guy that you already were well you're very kind with your words i I felt at many points in my life that i needed to continue the process of waking up i don't need to use the word woke how about come out of this consciousness coma where i'm just not aware of what goes on around me what goes on in society when you overturn that rock you see a lot of filth. I'm sorry to say.
3: Yeah, yeah, and it and it can perpetuate as long as we don't talk about things. It's, we live in a really potent time with with all these with the Me Too movement and and I mean, there's so much that is out and we there's and I mean, people that we thought would never go to jail are are being brought to justice. I mean, Harvey Weinstein and Bill Cosby and. You know, it's like this is time to this is a wake up time, not a woke time. <laughs> that word has been so badly used, but it's a time to be awake and to live like Neil Donald Walsh said in his book, as if everything we didn't said was going to be on the cover of People magazine.
2: There you go. One of the things that really caught my attention, and I, I told Gary before the end of the hour, I really would like to get to this. And that is this idea that you know we come into this life that we hope is going to be nothing but unicorns and rainbows <laughs> and, and chocolate. Don't forget the chocolate, and Chocolate, right? and it's not. And I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this correctly. The Latin phrase "amor fati." Uh, um, Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Well, I wanted to just read a, a short paragraph from your book. Years after arriving home safe and sound, I learned the concept of amor fati, a Latin phrase that does not mean, as some would assume, love your fat, but love your fate. Associated with the late great German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche, the Stoics, and Marcus Aurelius, amor fati describes an attitude in which one sees everything that happens to them, including suffering and loss, as good or at the very least necessary none of us are getting out of this world alive Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's a mix of good and bad to to only look at the good stuff and to never examine the bad stuff is to leave untouched part of what The reason for incarnating here and that is for us to grow and you don't grow only with the chocolate and the unicorns and the rainbows you grow with all of it you 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 may not call the bad things good but maybe they're necessary in this Mm. life as part of your experience for being here otherwise why would you choose this place (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But to, to, but to treat
3: each thing, what if this was scripted? What if for this, I was born and similar to, I mean, I like Reverend Michael Beckwith who says pain pushes until inspiration pulls. So I'd like to think at some point I could still learn just as much from the unicorns and the chocolate and, and the rainbows and all of that. But in the meantime, I want to love the things that have happened because what if there's what if there's a purpose to that? And I can't remember what else I was going to say. I got so overwhelmed. <laughs> Back to you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, just, just the idea that it's all necessary. It's all necessary. Yes. Part of our being here. When you when you incarnate into this world, mm. you're going to have love. You're going to have success. You're going to have angels appear out of nowhere to help yes. you. You're going to have these wonderful things that happen. And the reason the angels are appearing is there's some harm, which is aimed in your direction. Mm. The reason that you are succeeding is that there is a challenge to overcome and our resisting these things and not wanting to deal with them means that we will never overcome them or never succeed. But to mm-hmm. allow all of this stuff yeah. to exist at the same time, that's the full life, is it not? Yes.
3: And and you reminded me of what I was going to say, just to hearken back to all the dream work I've done. I think working on dreams kind of laid the foundation for me to be able to get to the place where I could write this book and love my fate. Because as a dream expert some people come to me most of the time with their nightmares so i've become also known as sort of the the nightmare whisperer somebody who can look at any nightmare and see the gold in it because it's always trying to help us give us a message tell us where to course correct let us know what baggage to release what big changes need to be made. And there's something about the kind of the training grounds of having spent so much time in the realm of looking at everything in a nightmare is as a blessing for myself, for my clients, for the people I work with. And then at some point, that point of view starts to translate into this waking dream as well, because we're always dreaming. This is also a dream. So the nightmares that happen, the blizzards, the storms, the, the hardships, the, all of those things. Like, What if those are not dissimilar to what's happening in a nightmare? What if they're trying to get our attention, trying to teach us something important? And if we get it, then instead of dying daily, we could be reborn daily. There could be some new sort of Phoenix rising version of ourselves. And it's never guaranteed that we are going to rise. It requires some form of some little bit of our effort, a bit of our will to be able to Go from the caterpillar to the butterfly version of ourselves. To mix metaphors, as I like to do. Back to you, Gary. I see you chomping at the bit.
1: Here for you. <laughs> we're a little short on time, but if there is the quick, uh, quick and, quick and uh, dirty version, as they say, this is some of this is fantastic. On page one forty of your book, I tell you, this could be narrated in audio book if only Dana Andrews were still alive. You went for a job as a go-go dancer in a club that was mainly for lesbians. And just just a portion of this, hear the noirish quality here. Before I could stammer my way out of saying no in a way that wouldn't blow my chances of getting the job, she jumped in saying, it's fine if you aren't as long as you don't mind dancing for those who are. The lesbians here can be a lively bunch. I don't mind at all. I can handle anything, I said remembering all the grabby men i dealt with in the past men or women straight or gay the work was all the same or so i thought let's see how you do tonight and if we all still like each other at the end of the shift we can discuss you coming back next monday come let me take you to your cage (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness that that would have to be filmed in black and white (laughs)
3: oh i love the way you read that i'm so glad that was recorded i'm going to borrow that oh god yeah
1: Gary what? said
2: i could see that in a movie. That's there's, a
1: movie there's so much humor in it because of the shock the surprise when you found out who your tormentor was at the very place where you live
3: yeah yeah this story i love because it it starts where i mean the background is I'm living, I'm finally living in this beautiful apartment after having lived in a, like a drug den that was awful. And I finally find this sanctuary and everything about it is perfect. The sunlight, hardwood floors, the art deco. The only problem is this witch downstairs that with every little tiptoe I make across the floor, her broom comes like banging on my, banging on her ceiling, my floor. And it's, and I literally cannot walk across the floor in more fuzzy slippers and I'm tiptoeing and she, it's just this contentious Relationship And we write letters back and forth to each other that are just awful. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, she is ruining my piece. She thinks I'm ruining her piece. Well, what do I do with this? There's nothing. And and as Gary talked about, I start dancing in this random club as like go-go dancing in, in a cage. <laughs> and, and at one point, I'm surrounded by a group of very feisty women, and one of them so feisty, that she tries to jump up on my cage and like like a crazed gorilla. And she keeps missing, but her friends help hoist her up. So she's standing there eye eye to eye with me and I'm back at the back of the cage. And she looks at me and says, I know you. (laughs) And and I said, you're kind of familiar to me too, what? (laughs) She's like, you're the lead foot that lives upstairs. You're my upstairs neighbor. you're the witch downstairs oh my god so we have this moment of reckoning because she's in her place of enjoyment and i'm in my place of employment and we have this understanding all of a sudden and she breaks out in laughter and she tells all her friends and they start circling me like i'm the goddess that they're either gonna worship or eat or i don't know something but but i never got another broomstick pounding from her ever again after that. And it's just like kind of a message about like the people that we think are so awful. If we got to know them, if we got to make eye contact with them, if we got to see them in a different context, we might actually love them.
1: I am so glad you included that story in your book.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I know. I love people are like, wait, what? Wait, what? She's the witch?
1: Because the way that that chapter begins, yes. there, this is human perception. I assumed we were talking about a crabby old lady. So you know, did the, I. The prototype of of the nasty neighbor.
3: Yes, exactly. I had no idea she was this rosy cheeked, very, very different looking than the witch downstairs.
2: Yeah, thirty phenomenally. Interesting, great stories in a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. The art of transforming the tragic into magic. Kelly Sullivan Walden, you have a huge hit on your hands. And if you want to get this book, which comes out on Tuesday, go to kellysullivanwalden.com. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. It's a really, really fascinating book. And Kelly, you've done it again. Oh, my you've God. You've done it again
3: thank you both for still having me and including me in your sacred inner circle i feel so honored this feels like a a homecoming of sorts and like the I've been, like the prodigal daughter coming home this is the party <laughs> this is the feast and i feel so blessed and grateful for the two of you You really this isn't just you two you're symbolic of of this is symbolic of more than i even know how to say it'll your have to show up in my next yes. book
1: And I just thank you for your willingness to speak your truth, to put it between the the covers of a book, because I guarantee you, Kelly, this book is just coming out now. You are going to inspire many women to stand in their own truth and to reveal what they have experienced. That's good for humanity.
3: Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Suzanne. I am so Grateful, I actually feel kind of high, and I'm not on anything. I promise. Just <laughs> I'm on Gary and Suzanne. I'm on Manson Mitchell. I'm on. I'm on KKNW.
2: <laughs> That's my drug today. Kelly, yeah, great. We look forward to the next time you're on with us.
1: Anytime you like, my dear.
2: Thank you. I love you both. Good so luck much. with the book. We know it's going to be fabulously successful. Thank you from All your right. lips to God's ears. Thank you.
1: Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll be back next week.